0: Welcome to IP Frequently. IP Frequently is brought to you by Dominion Harbor Enterprises and is sponsored by IPedia. IPedia, innovation clarity that provides real, actionable patent intelligence. Join our hosts David Pritham and Brad Sheaf, advancing the issues of intellectual property.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of IP Frequently. I'm here as I always am with... my good friend arguably a bon vivant and my business partner david michael pridem
2: well, let me ask you this brad before you even get on to Any of this. where you're going yeah. how many great sequels have there been wow not godfather 2 godfather 2 was good right, godfather 2 was good <laughs> right remember home alone 2
1: it, well, yeah. A little it, it creepy. Didn't, yeah, it didn't little rise creepy. to the same level as Horror. Puppet Along Master Along. 2 was good. I did not see that. The Conjuring 2? I did not see that. I don't do horror movies, as you know.
2: You don't like horror no, movies, I but don't. those are examples of oh, sequels, sequels, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Empire Strikes Back, famous sequel. Yeah. With the big Star Wars, the. the, the correct, lightsabers and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Planet of the Apes 2. Now we're we talking about the modern lines? Homeward is Bound any- Two. Homeward Bound Two, I did not see. Although well, Home. Homeward Bound One. I mean, what, these are and all one? great, great it's not sequels won, unless and there's a sequel,
2: spinoffs right? and sequels and I mean, whatnot. But yes. of course, everyone is always chasing the epic sequel. I mean, you got Rocky Two, for example. Yeah, Rocky Two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Rocky yeah. two remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. Remember Different Strokes? Yeah, I remember different strokes. There you go. Yeah. But the greatest sequel of all time mm. that people don't want to talk about, Cannonball mm. Run 2 was a great sequel, correct? Oh, that correct. was
1: a great sequel, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Ocean's 12. Very good. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Arthur 2, On the Rocks. Greatest sequel of all time. Dudley Moore was in that. Yeah. Uh, Judy Garland's daughter, the lovely Liza Minnelli. Mr. Correct. Liza Minnelli was in that. Who played the butler. Uh, I'm not sure, but that's not yeah. important. I think it's was John Gielgud, right? I think that's right. I think it was. I like it was. Great all-star cast. Yeah. The type of cast you couldn't put together today if you tried.
1: No, certainly. Well, I mean, I guess you could, but
2: well, you would, it would have to be a still motion. It's like two out of three. No, 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 yeah. no mas.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. I mean, you could get replacements for them, but what I think you've been trying to communicate this whole time is that this is somewhat of a sequel.
1: It is going to be somewhat of a sequel. Our survey results are in. We were able to get 30 of the 68 folks we reached out yes. to to respond. We can't talk about who they are. We can't talk about when we talked to them. We can't even really confirm that we talked to them. We may have used hand signals we might not have. Like Cook County, Chicago in
2: 1960, 49% of the respondents had deceased before they received the survey.
1: Correct. I think. But in any case. Cook County, daily. Survey Report. oh, I, trust, me, right, I, very yes, I, trust me. Remember that whole thing with the presidential election? I wrote, trust me. Mm-hmm. So, top of waves, we're, uh, we we have the survey results have come in. We are going to air the the second portion of the interview we with we call our it a good friends. Like we did, sequ- yeah, it's a sequel yeah. with with Kent and with Eric. And uh, so, like Ghost Two I, with Whoopi Goldberg was a good one. I didn't even like go Die Hard the 2 Die Hard 2 Yeah Die Hard well, 2, Die Hard blew 2 was A lot Hard, of shit Was the Die Hard 2 The one where they They crashed the plane Into the runway
2: Die Hard 2 Is where they killed All those people On the plane They blew up the fucking air they, they crashed All sorts of stuff Yeah More people died In Die Hard 2 Than any movie Except for the ones With like the gamma rays Yeah More of those Like zombie movies What no about Terminator 2 With the With the, the fucking satellites Skynet like Skynet
1: Self aware so my question to you is, given that we're doing the sequel, we're going to hear the rest of, of our discussion of, about the Patton Iceberg is sort of, would you rather mm-hmm. listen to the second half of our interview with Ken and Eric or, mm-hmm. hey, I got to think about this for a minute because I can't. Struggling with this. It it. Well, it's a tough one, right? I mean, to, set, to frame something up where you might pick listening to the second half of the interview, not easy.
2: It's not that hard, though. You, you talk about one? going on a Caribbean all-inclusive cruise with an interior stateroom with our favorite professor from the Bay Area.
1: Ah, okay. Well, I can tell you right off the bat, I would rather listen to the second part of this interview. So let's do that. No, I, I, I would agree. I think that's very interesting. And, and to me, the, the, it, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm interested in hearing where you guys want to take your research next. But for me, it's less about, you know, kind of to David's point about, look, you know, litigation, yeah, you know it exists, but you don't know any of the important information from it. And, you know, non-litigation, soft licensing, if you will, you don't even know it exists. But you guys have, at least with the data that's been made available to you, been able to draw a conclusion that it's not as significant as some might think. I would love to to see you know, kind of a follow-on paper of, okay, well, what does that mean? Right? I mean, we've sort of as a as a country, certainly as a Congress, certainly as you as a judiciary, we've sort of taken the position that, hey, patent licensing is bad. Right? That, you know, these people that show up with their patents, particularly if they're not manufacturing anything, I mean, we've sort of we've we've concatenated this concept into patent licensing that if you're not manufacturing it, somehow that that makes your Licensing strategy wrong, right? Or that, that you've become a tax on those companies that are actually producing something, which I know for all of us on this call, understanding the system at the level that we do, we would disagree with that. Right? I mean, the purpose of the patent system is not to provide a pathway to manufacturing, but to provide a pathway to monetize and to make worth your while your research and development and your intellectual property, right? So we have nationally taken this step in the direction of, hey, You know, you shouldn't be able to do that. You should leave these big companies alone and let them produce better, faster, cooler phones that everybody wants because that's what's better for America. And if you happen to actually have a patent on that, well, you know, too bad because it's just better if we don't have this quote unquote tax of these quote unquote trolls that are trying to drag down companies that have more cash on their books than any other company in the history of the world. Right. So I, I would love to see you guys move forward with your research to either say, yep, that's true, and if it is, it is, right? If, if, if Apple or Google or Amazon or Newegg or any company is in danger of going underwater because of these uh, assertions or whatever you want to call them, then that would be interesting. If that's not true, then it would seem to indicate that this you know sort of national shift that we've taken towards de-emphasizing and making more difficult patent licensing may not be the right
3: way to go. So, so just as a thought on the follow-up direction, I mean, part of our hope is that getting this out might enable us to do a broader study. We may be able to ask some more questions in that study, right, so so right, it's always scary for companies that first time you do something like this publicly, what's gonna happen if you participate? So. I don't know if we will answer all of the questions that you highlighted just there, but I think we're certainly hopeful that this getting out there might afford us the opportunity to do a larger study. And that in turn may shed some more light on that. And I think more broadly, one of certainly my commitment, I know Kent, you know, this is something we do when we've looked at this is to, to just try to get the data first, because it's, it's so easy to want to try to figure out whether it means a certain thing or not, but it's just like, can we answer this question even? Can we start to get data around this? And you know, I I don't know about you guys, but I didn't have any sense prior to undertaking this, what the actual rough approximation of whether you call it a soft licensing versus litigation or, or assertions is the broader, you know, however you want to group it, what percentage of that wasn't showing up in litigation dockets? And we now have a starting point to that answer. And that's interesting.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we certainly applaud the effort at getting the information. Uh, We would love for you guys to be able to get more of it. And, you know, just not only more broadly, but more deeply. And then, uh, you know, our perspective is the most important question with reference to the patent system, certainly in the U.S. today, is, and part of it may be whether or not it's, you know, hard or soft licensing and what percentage. but really. The core question is, is should patent licensing be something that people do and something that people professionalize? Or is patent licensing such a drag on the economy that we should just do away with it? And if we're going to do away with patent licensing, then, you know, and I'm not trying to be obtuse, but if you're not going to license a patent, there's no point in having a patent, right? So I don't want to make it sound like I'm, you know, going off the deep end saying, look, just get rid of the patent system. But if you're not going to be able to license your patent, right? If you're not going to be able to enforce your rights, and through that license your patent, then there's no point in in having one. And if there's not, there's not, right? Then the patent system should go away. I mean, I don't don't think the patent system adds a ton of moral value to the country. I don't think it adds a ton of ethical value to the country. Theoretically, it adds economic value to the United States. And if it doesn't, then we should get rid of it. But if it does, then, you know, we should probably level the playing field a little bit.
3: Well, so, so to maybe flip around and look at a part of the data we didn't really talk about thus far. I mean, if you look at the larger assertions more than five and which had claim charts, right? So there are discussions going on that are different that are not showing up in litigations. And I think, I think that's interesting to think about. So people are using patents. different companies are using pat, patents in different ways. and. You know, that's a side of it that I don't think is covered by the discussion you just pointed out. Right. So I think you can infer from this data that large companies are having discussions with other large companies about licensing their patents. And I think. Well, that's, that's right. an interesting. I mean, that's,
1: that. that's patent licensing. I agree with you. Right. So, I mean, so I mean, again, if you want to bifurcate licensing into large companies licensing to other large companies and not, I, I guess we can have that discussion as well. but it, You know, to me the interesting part about that is all companies see their patents the same way, large or small, right? It is a lever to use against competitors or other folks in the marketplace to say, hey, wait a minute, if you're gonna practice this technology, you need a license from us. And and obviously the way that happens is significantly different. But when you're going, you know, multi-billion dollar conglomerate to multi-billion dollar conglomerate versus an independent inventor. Right. So that's the, the the approach is different and and You know, the asymmetric nature of the negotiations are very different. But to my knowledge, no one uses a patent for anything other than a lever to go to someone who is practicing the claim technology and say, hey, wait a minute, you should be paying us for this.
0: Oh, actually, yeah, we've seen different. Just a little bit. There are different uses. I'm surprised by them sometimes because they're ones where you would think it would be exactly as you stated. But I have seen people use patents effectively for other reasons, which not the way that I think about them necessarily, but there are other uses. So that's just the sort of a tangential point. Going back to the original core point, you know, as soon as you step out of out of high tech, it's a different world for patents. Right. I mean, there is, you know, medical device, healthcare companies, my wife's in biotech. Those companies would not be around if it were not for the patent system. So let's be clear, there are huge and effective uses for patents outside of tech. So what's happened in tech is Moore's Law means that the stacking of technologies is just massive. And so we're seeing responses from companies that do not align with the rest of the patent world.
1: Yeah, I mean, the answer there What you would think would be some sort of proactive approach by those companies to to recognize that, right? So I agree with you, right? I mean, you got one drug, one patent in the pharma world, right? That's the way it works. And in the tech world, you've got one phone, you know, goodness knows how many patents, right? Mm -hmm. So, but you would think you would want to take a, as opposed to taking an anti-patent approach and just saying, look, patents are bad. Don't talk to us about patents. We, you know, we don't want to be sued. I get not wanting to be sued, but the patent system is what it is you would think you would have a proactive approach from these larger companies to say, okay, you know, here's the way we're going to get proactive about this. Here's the way we're going to address this. Here's the way we're going to take care of folks who have a legitimate patent, and this is how it's going to work, almost like a FRAND kind of an approach. I realize that there's all kinds of issues with FRAND as well, but a way to say, look, when you come to us with a patent, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to evaluate it and not put odious legal terms on, you know, if you submit your patent to us, you can't then assert You know what would be interesting,
2: if, if I understand the the whole confidentiality debate we already had, but if you, if you um, looked at how these companies inbound were, and I noticed in your paper you talk about some folks just ignore the first letters or the second letters um, requesting licensing discussions, but look at how these companies actually treat those negotiations and, and, as Brad said, how proactive they are and the results they get, right, because uh, I'm assuming, based on the, the the fact that MPEs are a large part of the folks that are sending in, the, as you call them, assertions, that um, you're going to have companies making these assertions to multiple entities. So, um, how entities that are similarly situated and even not similarly situated treat the discussions, how seriously they take them. Um, I mean, it's my experience that in terms of non-exclusive. Patent licensing, i.e., naked patent licensing without some sort of divestiture, claim charts are almost a must, right? EOUs, whether you want to call them EOUs or claim charts, you have to have them to be taken seriously. And these folks in house who actually have a procedure to review these, don't just put their head in the sand, um, require it. But how the proactive company um, on the inbound side says, wait a minute, let's have these discussions. Here's the framework we use. Um, here's what we need from you all is the patent licensing entity or the inventor um, uh, compares to the result that the non-proactive company uh, 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 achieves. I mean, that that to me would be incredibly, incredibly interesting.
0: Yeah, and and I agree with you actually. This is the kind of stuff we, so the long-term strategy around this is let's get more people participating, right? First steps, then let's get people comfortable at the same time with the idea of participating, and then let's get people to start providing more information about what happens. What do they actually do? But as you can imagine, if you, if having worked, and we've all been in this business forever. So you, you know that in house people are not going to provide this kind of information easily. So it, it, they have to feel comfortable that it's going to be used in an interesting way. That they're participating in something that's valuable, that their corporate policy, they're not, they're not having to go up to the GC to get the permissions. You know, there's a lot of steps involved in getting there. And I agree, we would both, we would, all three of us would have loved to have been able to get that kind of information where we developed our, you know, how much does this stuff, uh, cost companies? It was purely based on our experience on and, and talking to people anecdotally about what the current costs are for handling the kind of any kind of inbound, right? So, um, I think from that perspective, you know, we want better clarity around those numbers, but I don't think we're going to get it until we get a lot more people generally participating, and we're going to have to slowly chip away at uh, people being more comfortable about providing. Aggregate information. I just don't see it happening otherwise.
2: I, you know, I do think, and I, I said it partially in jest, but I do think that if someone like Mark or or um, some of these large companies on the uh, inbound side were to come out and say every single agreement we do um, on the patent license side, you can even take out the cross licenses because I understand why you wouldn't want to make those public, but in a lot of cases they do because of uh, public filing requirements, but. Every single license we do with a company that has less than $100 million in revenue, we are going to put on this website. I mean, why the hell don't they do that? And I mean, the obvious reason is they don't want to, right, for, for a number of reasons. But, I mean, that would make the – if one large company did that as opposed to set up these patent buying programs or waste time with these IPRs, that would have such a transformational uh, impact on the industry. And that's something that Google could do today. That's something that Apple could do today. Um, that would be incredibly valuable Whoa. and much more valuable, and valuable than Google ah. patents will ever be. So that's my soapbox. But I, I think I think that type of thing would be great, and I think that would lead to dozens and dozens of companies in their position doing the same thing.
3: The flip side, though, is right. Larger, more frequent asserters could similarly provide some of this aggregate data themselves, or similar. Right? I mean, it could go both ways. Right? They're they're the the license the licensors could also push for those i agree i mean but i think i see here's the
2: problem so we have um we have 80 some odd clients 100 clients i don't know we just did the year-end thing and it it's a large number but every one of those discussions the confidentiality provision is is put in there by the by the licensor um and i remember years ago the licensing entity didn't want to do it because they didn't want the agreements to be made public so they could rack up a bunch of but that that's just not the case at least not with our entities. I've always said look you should make it and the fact that you have other licensees is a good thing and you should but, but the problem you'll get sued if you even tell anyone anything other than what we know about litigation you know we have resolved issues with company a and have dismissed the litigation that's usually all you can say so I would yeah. be the first one to um, jump on board with that and um, you know absolutely licensors should do it too the problem is the chicken and the egg thing and it's not the licensors that are requiring it it's the it's the licensees and google tomorrow because the leverage they have could say we're just not going to do any more licensing agreements if um unless they're unless they're put up on google patent com. we're just not going to do it and it's very easy i mean these companies have these other policies on on alice and and IPRs and the the unified patent stuff, which is all just nonsense. So to do something like this, that would actually change the industry for good um, and and require that the licensors do it, because I, as a licensor, can't say to Google, the only way I'm going to do a deal with you is to make sure that it goes, is if it goes public and we put it on a website. But Google has the bargaining power to do that with me as a a licensing entity. So yeah, that's all I'd say to
0: that. So, so actually, I mean, a couple of things. One, I don't know about the other policies. I don't know if they're nonsense. Probably not. So I'm just calling you out on that. Well, there's probably to, some. We could debate those at another podcast. But, but they, yeah, let me finish. Let me finish yes. the, the other point, which is, you know, ultimately, when I was in in licensing, the where we were, where we actually got to publish the the license agreements was when they were material to the company. um, and we had to publish them because of SEC requirements. And frankly, that is the only time. And I always tried to push to get some press release on a license, something public to say that at least the deal was done. And you know, the number of times I had pushed back was a hundred percent at least on the pushback. And the interesting thing was it wasn't even so much that uh the corporate IP person was concerned. It was a huge PR approval process, and you had to fit it in the queue. And nobody wanted the hassle of having to go do that. And and or they had policy uh, that they weren't allowed to publish anything that wasn't any kind of this type of deal. There, there was a whole bunch of things that were not so nefarious, but just institutional. That's how big corporations work. Stuff that you know, it, like you sit there and you're. It's not as simple as oh, well, they should just publish it. It turns out there's a whole bunch of other things that are going on that are not directly related to IP licensing. It's just the way big corporations run. Uh, well, it's I, pretty frustrating.
1: It is. It's, I mean, I think it's frustrating for everybody. I think it's frustrating all the way around. And, and, you know, getting to transparency and patent data is something I think we all agree could help move it towards more of a market behavior as opposed to a purely litigious yeah. behavior. And, I, yeah. I, look, I think yeah. you guys have, have taken a step forward in trying to get to some degree of transparency, um, and, and, you know, we hope that you would continue. But, again, the larger question is less, you know, how much is litigious and how much isn't, but what difference does it make to the economy? Are, are our current economic practices and philosophies, if you will, around the patent system right? Is it moving the U.S. in the right direction or not? And if not, you know, we need to rethink about that.
0: So Well, and I think our conclusions um, out of this, you know, it's clear that it, it's the impact, if we extrapolate correctly, and remember it's a transect, so it's hard to extrapolate, but if you extrapolate correctly, it is clearly much lower impact than at least some reports. I mean, we are dead clear about that. There's no way, uh, based on those, our extrapolation, that you're hitting anywhere near the numbers that people report
1: Well, again, I mean, so I I think there's a, that's good. I think there's a direction to go. I know how much David has appreciated your work and the number of times he said that to me. And so we look forward to seeing the the directions that your papers go. I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but one of the things that you are are rewarded with when you come on the IP Frequently podcast is a a quasi-lifetime supply of rice aroni. We feel like it's a healthy treat for, for everyone. So be on the lookout for that. We'll certainly get you guys that in the future. We look forward to seeing what else you write and uh, and having conversations like this going forward.
0: My my college age kids are gonna love me. Well,
1: you know what? If we can, if if, if nothing else, if we can just strengthen the family unit through Rice Aroni, Dominion Harbor <laughs> is behind that.
0: That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks, thank a lot, guys. guys. All right, that guys. Thank
1: you. See you. Oh, buddy, we made it. That's it. The whole thing. You got all the way through it. My congratulations to you. Thank you. I'm putting on my lanyard down to get on the cruise ship. I'm Norwegian Cruise Lines, leave in about four days. Okay. Very good. Well, I hope you enjoy that. It's all inclusive. Certainly more than some other things that we've done. But probably shouldn't talk about it, less, at least not on this podcast. Yeah, uh, but The
2: Avengers 2 is another sequel.
1: Was it Avengers 2? What was the name of yeah. that? Was that Ultra War? Age, oh, of Age of Ultron. was Ultron. Yeah. good. I like the... Uh,
2: so, you would think like somebody the, would, uh, think somebody would turn off their phone when they're. I did in the turn off of my button. phone.
1: I didn't turn off my computer that rings because my phone rings. I don't oh, understand okay. any That's of right. that.
2: It was probably Blame why somebody not on else. That's media. fine. Probably want to. This is a little bit important what we're doing here. Or not. But. Smokey the Bandit 2 was another
1: sequel. I never saw that either. That was good. And Smokey and the Bandit 1. Jackie Gleason. That was great. Caddyshack when 2. When I get home, I'm going to smack your mama in the mouth. Because
2: there was no way, no way you came for my loins. Next Friday was another good one. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, i only They only did one of those. Who? Mm
3: -hmm. Perfect.
1: All right.
2: Well,
3: we appreciate you having joined us on the
1: uh, wrap-up section of our interview on the Patton Iceberg. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. There's another one. On IP Frequently.